and welcome to the fifth episode of Cowboys Takeover with your host today, Jason Kent. I'm glad to be here. And my co-host, as usual, the great, the man, the myth, the legend, Aaron James. Aaron, how you doing today, bud? Jason, I am on a high this week. And man, I'm, I'm pumped for the show. But you know what? I feel like for the first time in a long time, I, I underestimated this time of year. If you would have asked me in January, what's my favorite time of year from when it comes to sports? I really like September, October. You got playoff baseball. You got football in, in the thick of things. But yeah. man, March March Madness, shout out to San Diego State. You were with me. We had a special time, a special moment together in that Final Four <laughs> game. You got March Madness. I'm a golf guy. I, you got the Masters, and you have baseball. It's tough. Yeah, that's such, so good. Like I was sitting there this week. I, I text a buddy. Like it's Masters week. It was so nice. Yeah, and then yeah, San Diego State made a run. Nice Cinderella run. UConn kind of made it. You know, weren't expecting UConn. Yeah, it was it was a it was a great game. And and you know me, I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at opening day this week for the Phillies. Um, I don't know how many of them are in a row now. Uh, season ticking guy. Um, it's, it's weird to watch nowadays, though. When you're getting in, they they finally, they've been talking about a lot of different rule changes. I know the shift is a big thing in the past. They've been talking about a while for the pitch clock. Um, it's it's weird to see nowadays. It's, it's different um, from both aspects. It's nice because it speeds the game up, but sometimes you think maybe it's too quick. Um, Cause I did hate you hate, I hate always stepping out of the box, switching the gloves, but it's mm-hmm. nice that they have to be in there. But now it's like, okay, pitch came, pitch comes, pitch comes, pitch comes. You better be ready. Uh, well, what are your thoughts? What do you think about that? I know you're a baseball guy. Yeah. So I, I did go to a Yankees game uh, last week and, you know, live. What I like about going to a baseball game historically you can go grab a hot dog. You can go, you know, get your refill, go to the bathroom. You come back. It's likely still the same half inning from when you stepped out. Yeah. But now you're lucky if you're back the same inning. It just goes in the blink of an eye when you're in person. That was my first experience watching it on TV. I feel like it flows very nicely for the viewer uh, on television. Now, I think, you know, a lot to... Uh, still a lot to get through. We're very early on in this project, uh, but I think the advantage goes to the batters. I feel like because it's almost like you know when you're when you're taking BP and you're against the machine and the balls just keep are coming one after another. I feel like you you know I remember BP in practice. It, you get more into a rhythm the more frequent in between those pitches and those balls are coming. Just my opinion. So I think we can expect higher batting averages this year. I agree. And and it does when I'm watching some of the Phillies, because I'm a Phillies guy, it seems like to me, their top two pitchers are not doing well right now. And it does seem like before you could take that moment to get off the mound, relax. Now that these rules, you can only like get off of the mound twice is what they call disengagement. So it's tough. Yeah, it got me thinking like I was always one of those guys. I was a proponent of keeping batters in the box because I hated the step out, you unstrap, strap your gloves, you know, bat, you know, get dust, whatever you want to do. It just got too much. But like you said, I never really thought about the other side of it, especially as a season ticket holder going to so many games a season. And I knew like, okay, I could just go get a bathroom break. I got, you know, drinks are right there. I can go grab one, you know, go grab something. But but like, it's almost the the whole innings over now. If you're just trying (laughs) to use the bathroom and get a drink. Whereas before you're like you're right you're probably still in that same half inning, and it just got me really thinking. Um, it got me thinking in the football. Do you think? Do we do we see? Is there any rule changes that you've really thought about? Because with baseball, you know, in in football, it's, there's been a lot over the last twenty years in terms of, um, and, and you see baseball. That's what baseball is trying to do: go offensive. Football was a little ahead of the game, and plus, there's a lot of other reasons. I think you know, football made a lot of rule changes in the past with defense because they, you know, CTE. So they really had to change the way defenses played football. Are there any changes, any things you would do in football today to kind of adjust or alter the game, whether something small, something huge, what, what, what do you think would be a good advantage for a nice rule change for football? Yeah. Well, I think we, you know, we're definitely going to have to talk about 
the rules and you know there's always changes going in typically going in year over year we had we had the whole experiment with uh official review especially on pass interference calls you know bang bang stuff it's so hard when you're looking at initiatives like you want more you want to change you know whether it be the amounts of points scored yardage first downs big plays you know then you get into strategic changes whether it be <laughs> you know something as ridiculous as making it instead of 10 yards for a first down seven yards or five yards right you could do things to the game to make it that you know that impactful i don't you know we're not talking about that today so the, the reason why right baseball made the change was to the the flow of the game right and the the shift helps the offense they want points on the board for the nfl they i think they get plenty of points on the board you know i'd have to chew i'd have to chew a little bit more on it you know something that always always kind of annoyed me i, I mean not in the bad way but the two feet inbounds you know i i, I was thinking of college versus nfl Two feet in bounds in the NFL, one foot in bounds for college. Yeah. I don't think you know it's that much of a difference. Just let them get one foot in bounds. You know that's a, kind of a knickknack thing, but I feel like over the past couple of years, especially what's going on in overtime, I'd like to go to the the college format of overtime. I would love that. I a hundred percent am on board with that. Um, I think they said they didn't do it because it could the length of the game. But I'm 100% on board with that college overtime. Changing to that, I love. There's nothing better. I remember, I think it was Eli Manning when he was at Ole Miss. There was a game where they went like seven or eight overtimes. It was something to watch. I agree with you there. But for, for me, <laughs> when I was thinking about this, do you remember back in the day when they had the rule that if you caught the ball, and you were projected to land in bounds, but were pushed out. <laughs> they counted it as a catch. <laughs> Some of the rules they had are ridiculous. It's so amazing. Um, the one I would really change, and the one that's well, there's two, two small ones. One I, you know, I understand NFL is a quarterback league, and we we want to save our quarterbacks. I think we've gone too far with the pass interference, or not the pass, the uh, roughing the passer. I yeah. think it's gone too far to, pre and I understand, I get it. Your quarterbacks are your money makers. We have to protect them at all costs. But when I see Jared Goff getting murdered and Tom Brady getting touched on the shoulder and a penalty's happening, you got to call it consistently. Like the, a big issue. And some of the stuff, like when you're watching, if you tap a quarterback's leg or by his knees, because that's your only way to get to him. And now it's a penalty. So now I can't even play the way I need to play without being penalized. I think they've gone too overboard and, you know, we all get it. Nobody wants to lose their quarterback, but it's too far one way. And the other one I would change that's always befuddled me is some of these defensive penalties um, where it's like you, you got them in a, in a third and 25 and you accidentally grab the dude. And now it's an automatic for five yards in a first down. Yeah. Like that needs to change. I, to me, there's nothing worse than, especially I've seen Dallas so many times get some stupid penalties. And, you know, it's third and 20. Now it's automatic first down. That is ridiculous. Like, no reason that should be a first down. Make him go get the other 20 yards. Like, to me, that that's the biggest, um, that, to me, that's the biggest, the biggest rule change because I, I just think there's no reason for it. You work so hard to get a team into, into the, you're down a distance where you know we got to pass. And mm -hmm. we got some pass rushers. Let's go. And now, you know, some little stupid holding penalty cost me a first down. No, I Especially get you hold, but when that holding call is on the other side of the field and the quarterback never intended to go that way and it had no material impact in the overall play, I'm there with you. That, now, that was on my list, but I decided to – I kind of pulled away from that because – I feel like if we get away from the automatic first down, then cornerbacks can use then use that rule to their advantage. It they would be more likely to tug and pull on a third and long, knowing that if they got away with it, great. If if they got caught, it was just going to be a, it's just going to be a five yard penalty. 
Well, see, here's where I think it's and it's tough because you can't have it up to the discretion of the umpire because you're going to have different outcomes. If you make it at a certain point, if if that penalty is if I'm running a go route and I'm being held 15 yards down the field. okay, well, then then I'm okay with giving the first down because he probably blows blows by him. Mm-hmm. No, you never know. I think at a certain point, because there's a lot of times where you see a little a little tug at five yards and and it doesn't like you said, it's on the other side of the plate doesn't impact anything. But not, now we're losing everything. So it's tough. Uh, and I think a lot of it, too. I just I don't know how similar the NFL and the college game is like in terms of being refereed. I know there are some different things you can get a, away with in, in college that you can't in the NFL. Um, you're bigger, you're stronger, you're faster, just everybody plays better. So so going kind of into that, do you think um, in terms of moving from an, a college NFL, what position do you think is the toughest to transition into coming from college going into the pro game? The toughest or the easiest? You want to so- go we could go either. We could go easiest. Which yeah. one do you think is easiest? Well, I think the toughest. It's very hard to argue against the quarterback position. I'm with you on that one. Quarterback's yeah. got to be the toughest. Yeah. Uh, now, for the easiest to transition from college to NFL, I'm going to go with the tight end. Okay. Yes, because the tight end, you know, in some ways you can kind of in some ways tight ends kind of hide on the field a little bit if you're a great blocker you know focus in on blocking and if there's a uh the uh, a bootleg and then you you know you sneak out you have just a couple a handful of plays that are drawn up specifically for you uh you're you're generally not the quarterback's number one read generally speaking I feel like you it's easier to get into a rhythm. You're out there, you're pushing pushing guys around, running some pretty simple routes up through the middle or maybe some flats. And you're probably not going to, you know, probably don't need to get a touch on the ball until your second the team's second and third possession or even more. So I just feel like it's a, you're you can ease into games a little bit better. Uh just I mean, they're all very tough, but just my initial initial thoughts on the spot i'm a little with you there i think in college it's it's easier because i think the specialist not specialist but the specialist tight end um you see more pass catchers so i think coming into the nfl they they do demand more blocking Mm -hmm. so i think for a lot of tight ends that aren't used to blocking in college where they're primarily pass catchers. Uh, I think that can hurt because you very rarely see a dude like George Kittle. Like he, to me, I understand there's, you know, you have Kelsey, you have the the kid from Baltimore. um, You have Waller. There's, you have Goddard. There's so many of these tight ends that we see pass catching that are really good. But to me, 10 times out of 10, I'm taking Kittle just because he's so dominant in the run game. He could be that. He could be a, a Travis Kelsey. He could do that. He could do what Waller does. He could do what these guys do, but he's so good in the other part of it. And I think that's what is, is a tougher transition in the NFL because a lot of teams, they need you stay in and block a lot as a tight end. You have to understand pass blocking assignments and, and that stuff they may not have learned in college. Um, I lean more towards cornerback. Because to me in the NFL, um, or, or yeah, in the NFL, like there's not a lot changing. It's still you're either in your zone or it's that man on man matchup where a lot of other players, a lot of positions going in, like we said, quarterback, extremely hard just because of the, the, the speed of the game. You could be a great offensive lineman. And if, if you're, I feel like if your offensive lineman group isn't cohesive, it, it can make you look bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Edge rusher, it, I think it's tough because you're you're not playing Louisiana State once, you know, once a year. You're not playing, you know, typically seven teams that are garbage that have guys that aren't going to make the pros. In the NFL, you're playing, you know, the best player from every, you know, he's he's amazing every week. Yeah. So I think cornerback, to me, it, it's more if you have it, you have it. 
if you don't like, and I know there's always top guys that just flame out, but I just think that's a little bit easier of a transition because you, you're doing the same thing. It's, it's, it's one-on-one. So to me, that was always, I always thought that would be super easy to transition. Now I, I think it's a very hard out of the hardest positions to play. <laughs> I think it may be the hardest because yeah. I'm not trying to cover Stefan Diggs one-on-one, but right. coming in the NFL, I think it, it's a little bit easier. Well, I think you can argue that the cornerback is probably arguably one of the most athletic a- athletes on the field. The 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 things they have to do to their body to mimic and cover someone that's just super quick and has a lot of speed and you don't know where they're going, you got to stay on their hip. That's very hard to do. Especially when they know where they're going and you don't. Yeah, if you're playing like to me, it's so much more impressive. Like I understand we, you know, we saw Seattle's defense of you know early 2010s. To me, a player like a Dion, a Darrell Revis, a Champ Bailey, those type of guys, I would take over a player like Sherman or the guys that are the because you they're locking guys up. Like mm-hmm. Darrell Revis was Revis Island. Like yeah. as for as much as we as bad as. Diggs did his, you know, when his all pro year, he's a playmaker. The kid, he's very good player. Now I know he, you know, he was a guy that started at receiver at Alabama. I think Alabama he went to. He was a dude that came in as a receiver. He just wasn't good enough. At, like can't catch the ball, which we see now he can. But uh, yeah, I do agree. I think it's you know the the athleticism you have to have there. I think it, you have to be just as athletic as receivers, and you have to be super smart and. You have to be able to tackle. That's what's it's so tough. There's so many, so much mm-hmm. more asked of, of these DBs um, that other positions don't have to do. And it's now, you get burnt, you're by yourself. It's tough. Now, the reason the CV wasn't on my list is because in college, the best player a CB is going to face in college may or may not be NFL quality. It's a good point. All right. So when they go into the NFL, they're the they're in the top. 0.2% of receivers that are out there. And hey, let's we got to cut these guys a break because you go to high school, you're, you're you know you're playing guys they're you know 14 to 18 years old more or less. You go to college, you you're playing guys, you know, between 18 what 22 for the most part. Yeah. When you go when you go to the NFL as a 22-year-old you could be playing against someone that's 29, 32, and the experience weighed in with the skill, and they just kind of know your your tricks and know what your weaknesses are. It's a it's a much different animal. So hey, I I, I think we can, you know, schedule more time to, to talk about those transitions, but you know, none of them are easy, but um always fun to talk about. Oh, I 100% agree. And, and I think here, you know, is a good time to transition into the meat and potatoes of, of what we're discussing today. And I think, you know, it's just with college coming, you know, college season's over, draft is, is um, you know, two weeks, two weeks away here, uh, I think to the day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I've been doing a little bit of research. I do watch a lot of college. I, I really, you know, I'm a big Notre Dame guy. Um, and a lot of the mock drafts, I've been looking at mock drafts. There's so many. They they really have them all over the place um, for Dallas. I've seen, and I think the most consistent position I've seen is tight end. And I've seen three different tight ends go to Dallas and, and the different mock drafts. And, you know, seen Sam Laporta, Michael Mayer, and then uh, Darnell Robinson, who are all quality tight ends. I think um, they're all very good tight ends. Um, I would lean more towards when I was reading about him, I'd actually re- lean towards more towards Darnell Robinson because he's they said he's six seven. He's a big boy. Um, maybe not as well in the pass game, but it's tough when you go six seven. You who are you gonna put on him? Um, I just don't know if tight end is a position right now that I, I think they should go after. Um I don't I don't I think that's more of a luxury take. What what are your thoughts on on that? Yeah, so going with a tight end first, I, you know, kind of like we talked about, I, I don't think uh, for between Ferguson and Hendershot, I like what we saw during the season. And, you know, Schultz had, had the playing time because he was 
getting paid to start uh, since we tagged him. I want to see what these what these other guys could do. I don't know if I would want to utilize a first round pick on a tight end. Of course, hey, it depends on who's there. But I I don't know about the tight end spot. I did come across one, you know, Daniel Jeremiah with the NFL network. He has us taking a DT Mozzie Smith from Michigan first round. His position rank, his his position rank is number three for DTs. And on Mel Kuyper's list, he's 38th best in the whole in the entire draft. So then that that has me kind of thinking as well. At 26, would we want to take the 38th best player? I think it's oh that's what you always have to juggle. That's the tough part to juggle in the draft. Because you you want to go on need. But if the best player is graded, you know, 15 spots ahead, how do you, how can you justify? I look, and I wish I was looking at DTs and, and the one guy, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like I've seen him 38th. I've seen him 51st, uh, Mozzie Smith. So it's, it's always, I guess a lot of it depends on who's doing the rankings. Um, yeah. That's a big jump though. I think 15 spots uh, is kind of tough to say what, you know, where they're going to be. Um, what I, the dude I would look at, I, I've been doing a lot of looking and the, and the defensive tackle from uh, Pitt. I'm going to butcher this guy's name and I feel terrible because I haven't, I tried to watch him a little bit. Elijah can't see. Um, I've seen, he's ranked anywhere between 22 and I've seen other mocks have him down at 31. So he he's, he's a first round prop prospect. Now, yeah. here is what gets me excited. CBS, when they and and I and I think I've heard this a lot from uh, some of the experts that watch college a lot. His pro comparison. It's a guy we've discussed on this show. AD. It is. This dude's pro comparison is Aaron Donald. He's uh... undersized. He is undersized. He's 6'1", 280. Back in the day, defensive tackles, you, you need him to be, you know, 6'4", 350. You want, you want Tony Saragusa out there as your DT. This Dallas defense, and I, and I, I think this is a, a, a big redirect from what I, we discussed before, because I, I do think, you know, part of our issue in, in the past is, is run defense. Um, we, if you're getting under, he fits this this theme, this project, this Dallas defense, perfect though. They're a team that is an undersized defense that's fast, yeah. and so if you can, to me, I, I do think he goes before Dallas. Um, but I would love to me, and I don't, I don't know if he'll be there. To me, and just the the pro prospect of Aaron Donald, and I've heard a lot on ESPN guys that watch the, you know, guys that have actually watched game tape from him. They say he has he's their project one of the best players since ad like and i know he's not the number one ranked defensive tackle but they said his game is so similar to what donald's was coming out of pit they they are and like a lot of people this isn't like people reaching this is the your experts your your kuipers and those guys saying he he has a lot of similarities to aaron donald and and i understand that's a big stretch it's tough you know aaron donald is one of the greatest defensive players in the history of football mm-hmm. so to so I, I do feel bad for this kid that he's got that much pressure put on him. But at 23, or where was Dallas staff? 26 this year. I think yep. if he's there, you have to think about it. Because I think defensive tackle is a very um a position they don't have a lot of. I know we just re-signed uh the, I can't the player who's the defensive tackle we had last year. We we signed we signed we just re-signed a big Hankins. Yeah. But to me, if you have a game changer like this guy that can project a game changer, I think you have to pull the trigger. Because right now, unless you're looking at a third DB, somebody projected for next year, maybe a safety for next year, this is a kid who's going to come in and most likely start, you know, or, you know, come definitely rotate in all season. He's not going to be your third corner, your, you know, your 
safety or a special teams guy. He's going to be a player on the team. So that's where I, I do like that guy. I do I do like the, the defensive tackle move. Well, I like that move a lot, especially for our first rounder. Now, my, so on Mal Kuyper's board, Kalisha Kansi is he graded him 89. And Mozzie Smith is graded 86. He Mozzie Smith is two inches taller and he has like 30 pounds, 32 pounds on Kalija. You know, I'm a big fan of that big boy clog, clogging up the spot because those guys get tired. And if nothing else, they can just hold their weight and, you know, clog up, clog up that line. So I don't know how I feel about a now I want I need it. I'm you motivated me and sold me to go look at some of the tape on <laughs> Kalijah, but I really feel like you really need to be in that that three twenty spot three fifteen yeah for that DT for that DT spot. I mean, I if we just have someone quick like like everybody else, I think that can be. Um, I I think that could be a problem. Could you imagine Aaron Donald 2.0 on that defense, bud? I'm not saying he is. Right. If the he... chances chances are you're not. Like, let's yeah. just being on. Like, I'm sure the kid is going to be a good pro. Mm-hmm. Chances of him being Aaron Donald are slim. But if you have the chance to take Aaron Donald 2.0, I think you take Aaron Donald 2.0. Um, it's, but to me, it's, it's tough. I think... I've seen some receivers projected to him as well. I've seen Jordan Addison. Um, I think one of the mock drafts in the second, like to me, a first round pick, I, I stay away from receiver because I, I think we're, we're set there. We know we don't need a, a quarterback. Um, I've also seen, oh, so where, who was it? Uh, I've seen uh, Jameer Gibbs. I've seen him. He's the second ranked running back um, coming out. He's, I saw projection. The one projection they had, they have the you know the pro comp for him is, um, oh, why is he McCaffrey? You know he he's a smaller back. He's only five nine. He's only one hundred ninety nine pounds. Um, but Alabama Alabama's got a history with running backs coming out too. So to mm-hmm. me, it's 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 tough. I just think to me that's another position in the first round. Um, I've seen these ones. I think you. Home, you saw Bijan Robinson going to them. Um, I just, I think it's tough to pass on a Bijan Robinson if he's there. But I just think to me, you, when you're building the team, and, and Dallas has worked it so smart over the last five, six years, um, I, I really think they're going to look, I think they're going to look one of the big boys. I think uh, it, it's, you have to look offensive line. The one I was looking at that I liked, um, I do want to look after. And I don't know. That's the only issues. But here, you never know. Uh, Paris Johnson from or Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, six six three thirteen. You know, Ohio State's always a very good team. They always have good linemen. Um, so you know he's and he's played against. To me, he's a cold. He's played in that cold weather, so you know he's used to it. And even though Dallas doesn't have it, they play a lot up in the Northeast. But you know he's one of those big burly boys. If you have to play in Ohio State in the winter. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he drops to us because usually linemen that are pretty good go earlier. Um, but he was he's the guy that I would really I'd really love them to get because I do think they need um they, they do need more offensive linemen, especially because we do think Tyron this is his last year. Um bringing him in would be a, a massive help because you can kind of put him where you need him at the moment. Um he may not need to start day one, but you never with Tyron Smith, you never know if he's gonna make it through a, a whole season. So we might be able to, you know, last year at the left tackle, bring him in. If, if Smith goes down, right tackle. Now we got our two tackles for the future going forward. Um, so to me, that would be the pick I would make if he drops there. I, th- I think you have to look there. Um, if he falls, um, what what do you feel about offensive line? You think that's that's a good way to go? Yeah, yeah, no, I would I would definitely be okay with an offensive lineman. Absolutely with the, you know, with the first round, you know, GMs should be thinking or generally speaking, this is a guy that we expect to sign again after his rookie contract is up. 
right? I think that's that's what you're kind of aiming for for your first round pick. Now, what I think I would prefer a DT that's going to start game one than an offensive lineman that's going to, you know, come off the bench. And mm-hmm. we did, you know, we did, we did pay McGovern. Uh, I think it was to like 23 million for a couple of years, two, three years. So it, it, hey, it all depends as to you know, who's available. Uh, you know, my, my thought process and what I've been chewing on is, you know, we have a draft pick in every round. We, as of today, we pretty much have all of our starters. Yeah. How about we go with maybe three picks or four picks for the draft and then cash some in and load up on next year's draft? See, this- that I, I honestly think I think that is the move. I do okay. believe that's the move in the first round, I, I, which is going to bother me so bad because I'm going to sit up till 11 o'clock at night for them to <laughs> trade that pick. I'm going to be furious when it happens, <laughs> but I do think that is, I've been, I've been showing, I do think I, in my heart of hearts, I, I think they trade out of the first round. Uh, I think, especially if, you know, cause at 26, yeah, you want to get good players, but I do think you, if you get somebody else that wants to jump back in, if a player starts dropping, you know, you could get two or, you know, another first round for next year and then maybe move up for next year and, you know, go get, you know, it's one of these top five type of players, game changers, uh, as you will next year, which it, it's, t- it's tough because you want to see your team win now, but you always from the front office of you, you have to project for the future. So I do think that is honestly the move they make. That's my projection. Yeah. Because when you, when you have your team, you know, you, every so often you're going to go into a rebuild type of season. You're going to lose your veterans. Why not go, you know, pre-plan as best you can so you have a wider pool of rookies to come in and to work them up and take the best of the best, right? If you have, if you can take, you know, four or five in the first three rounds next year, that's pretty that's probably a good plan if we know that we can we can do that. If we can get four to five picks in the first three rounds next year. So the, the other I was looking, the other kid that's intrigued me a lot. Um because I do think you have to think cornerback. Um with Gilmore being one year, you, you kind of you do have to think about the possibility of not re-signing uh, Diggs just because, to me, the defense, Mike is more important on defense, and I do think if you keep Dak, you have to keep C.D. Lamb. So the odd man out, you know, even though we, we'd love to keep him, um, if somebody has to go because the contracts are just going to be too big, I do think it's Micah, not Micah, I'm sorry, uh, Steph or Diggs, Trayvon. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ones intrigued me a lot. I, I, Sam Smith or Cam Smith from cornerback from uh, South Carolina. He's a bigger body cornerback. He's 6'1", 180. So the thing is, here's here's my only issue. Like I know some sites have him ranked 58th as overall player. And then I've seen some have them, you know, ranked in the top 17. So that's the, you're just not sure. Um, but he is, you know, he's a four forward guy. He's, you know, he 38, 38 inch vertical. Um, he really has that number one type of nasty um, for everything I read. It just, a, a, he's that guy. Um, very in your face. He only, he tied for the lowest completion percentage in the sec which is nothing to sneeze at because uh, they have some teams down there. Um, you know, are there better cornerbacks guys that are projected to go higher than them? Yeah. Um, but I, to me, I just don't know if, you know, if a, a Christian Gonzalez from Oregon or Joey Porter Jr. from Penn state, I don't think they drop that low. And then the other one, I do like Deontay banks. They do, you know, for everything I read about him, I think they said this year was a little bit off uh, from his previous year, but he's he's a four three type of guy. He's a very in your face, you know, man coverage uh, DB, which I think would fit perfect. You know, and I I know I said earlier, 
maybe not. But if you can get a guy that can learn behind Diggs and Gilmore and, and play that nickel or, you know, they may even have him out there, might not, because I know we do have, you know, three pretty good cornerbacks. Let them learn behind those dudes. And then, like, Deontay Banks, you know, his pro comparisons, Antonio Cromartie, because um, he is, a you know, he's a bigger bodied defensive back. I think he's six foot, uh, which is still not super big, but he's that's 197. So he's a big boy. So I think one of those two guys, if, if we keep a pick, to me, it's one of the defensive uh, DBs or the defensive tackle. I think they look there or offensive linemen. I think that's kind of, I don't think we get pass rushers. Um, so I think they're pretty set there. Um, but I did see one having them draft um, Brian Branch from Alabama to a safety. Um, so I do think they're going to have to look and see what position. Because um, there's a lot of guys coming up for contracts. Like you said, we just don't know. But I, I, think, yeah. they, I think they trade out, honestly. I mean, we got Jalen Curse. Malik Hooker, and we just signed Wilson. Yes. So I don't. I aren't Hooker and Curse kind of? I think they're on the the final year of their deal, though. Curse, maybe. Yeah, and you know Malik has, you know, he has some more to prove. So I don't think he's gonna get. He's gonna be expensive, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they alternate him and he doesn't get the play time. You know, you can kind of manipulate a guy's worth. I hate oh, to say hundred percent. Yeah. I hate to say it. And another discussion we should have, and we should make note if they want to preserve how expensive Parsons is going to be, should they move him to linebacker? And would, would that change the cost? I think well, something worth. All, don't they have him? I think it outside. Cause I think, I, I don't is know. He not, is, is he not a DE? I thought he was an outside linebacker. Oh. He's, he's played everywhere, but I, there yeah. was a big discussion. I remember a few years ago, they, they, I don't know if they ever fixed it or how they do it because I remember that's what, uh, wasn't it? Where did he play Chicago? Where did where Mac played in Oakland, right? Or Chicago first he's in Chicago. Now I think he was in Oakland. Khalil Mack, but, but either yeah. way, he was an all pro at two positions. And I know that was the big thing with him because he was, I forget if it's the end or the outside linebacker one gets paid. I think it's the end get paid much more. So he was trying to get in. It's like, listen, I'm a defensive end. I'm rushing every down. Like my hands in the ground. This is what I do. So I, I do think, I don't know if they adjusted how they can do that, but yeah, you're hundred percent. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I'd hate to see it. Cause I do want to just see him go after the quarterback every play at this point. Go get your sacks, go get your yep. money. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked. And I think to me, that wouldn't be in the best interest of the team to try to mess around with Micah. He's too valuable. Yeah. And he's pretty outspoken for for uh, a second year guy. He's he's pretty out there in a on Twitter. So back to your back to your point on cornerback. I mean, look, there are I'm looking at Cam Smith, South Carolina. He's Number ninth ranked CB and 58 overall. Let me look at the 10 and number 10 overall goes up to 67. Okay. So you got 10 CBs that are in the top 67 overall. It's a, this is a pretty deep class. See, here's the one thing though. CBS, I don't don't know who does the CBS rankings. They have, that's where it's all perceptive. Like CBS has a number 17 and has them at the fourth best or has the fourth best. So to me, I just, I like, I like what I've heard about him. I also like what I've heard about uh, Deontay Banks from, from Maryland. Cause I know, Mm -hmm. yeah, they have banks. I think the fourth in on ESPN and he's the fifth in on CBS. Uh, to me, I just think one of those players would be a good fit. Uh, just a cornerback, a, a really good cornerback opposite um, opposite Diggs, I think, is is a smart move. Or somebody, if you, you do project Diggs, you're not sure if he's going to oh, – you're going to be able to afford him. I think somebody to replace him, which which stinks to say, but I think that's that might be one of the – that might be the move if you're looking forward. Yeah, well – it's you know now well, who's our uh, CB three Bland right? So Bland had a, like an, a breakout year. He had a, a pretty big interception against the Eagles when we came back uh, for that game. 
Fresno State guy, really in your face, and he's sized to be a third CB, a, a third cornerback in that slot position. And I'm looking at these guys, their height, their weight, right? Because a lot of that determines if you can even be a CB1 or 2. Yeah. Or if you're just built to be a nickel guy, you know, chasing after that, you know, five, you know, that Cole Beasley type of body that that other teams kind of have in that position, just looking to create space. So I think you have to be, you know, strategic. Another thing I'm not looking at now that I think is important, if they're a sophomore, a junior or a senior. It's a good point. You know, I don't I I get really nervous taking a sophomore. You know, I feel more comfortable with a junior. I feel most comfortable with the senior. I think with the senior, you can you you can get you'll be more accurate in knowing what you're going to get or what you can expect. In my opinion. Now, you also have to think about yeah, these schools, not only the competition, but the coaching. Right. Like, are they do can this guy be coached to be, you know, three times better than what he's showing? Yeah. You know, is if you look, if you if you take a deep, a really deep dive and you're like, wow, this guy's pretty good. And he has like a first year coach that was that only has three years experience and came from like a high school team. Like, you know, like there are I'm sure nuances like that. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of this comes down to tape, right? What you what what you show on tape. Uh, but I think hey, a, a lot of that too. Again, it comes down to coaching. You're you're asked to do so much as a player, week in and week out. Yeah, that's why I think a lot of the mental has to do with the grind of an NFL player, because everybody in college was pretty much a star in high school you're a good That's player right. like you know even though just because you're not a five-star recruit you're probably the best kid from your town from your conference in high school football once you get to the pros you're the best of the best and we you know you see it every year there's always somebody who jumps up and they just don't they're not there and i think the best example we've ever seen was ryan leaf or peyton manning and they went one and two and we you know one had a hall of fame career and the other sizzled out ended up going to you know jail he he turned his life around good, th- thankful for for ryan leaf he, you know he changed his life but that that's it's it's one of those things you you don't know we can watch as much game tape and I do think at the combine, they ask dumb questions. There's a lot of these players. You can never really know until you get them on your team. You get them in the practice room, um, get them in, the, you know, studying who's going to do it. Cause there was a lot of things this year um, uh, with Kyler Murray, you know, there was a clause in his contract that said he couldn't play call of duty, whether how dumb it is, it got out, how dumb it was. It was in there. The fact that the team felt they needed to put it in there and he actually signed it tells me, I don't know if that's the type of quarterback I want leading my franchise. If I need a contract in the contract that you can't play Call of Duty, I don't. You're not you're not leading my franchise. <laughs> um, so it's it. You're right. I think a lot of it. And to me, that's where I said earlier. I look at schools that have history of sending out players at a certain position, like Notre Dame. They send out tight ends. Iowa. They send out tight ends. Um, Ohio. Or, yeah. Um, Penn State has always been very good with linebackers. So there's all, you know, and, and it's Alabama has been super good recently. They they have really good receivers. They have really good running backs and they usually have pretty solid linebackers. Like they, their defense, their whole team, everything Alabama sends out is amazing. So just draft Alabama. But you know what I'm saying? There's always those teams that send out players at certain positions. So like you said to the coaching, there, there are a big aspect of that, that get that player ready to make that jump to the next level. Um, so if we had to nail it down today, I know we're two weeks out. If we're going today, if you're projecting out number one, number two, who are your picks? And you can trade number one. If you want to say trade, I'm okay with that. Cause I really do believe that is the move. 
I don't I wasn't thinking about a trade for the first round. Now, you know, we talked about Mozzie Smith being the 38th overall. So if we move from 26 overall to like a 31 overall, because somebody just wants to make sure they get their guy, I could see something like that taking place. But I'm going to go with, I, I really think after everything we discussed, looking over my notes and a couple of the mocks, I do think we end up with a DT. I think we end up with Mozzie Smith from Michigan. So who do you think what the, the, after they take that where do you think they go in the second then in the in the second round I'm going to go with I'm going to go with an O lineman for okay. the second, for the I think that's round. a very solid pick I think in in the second round uh that's still a you're expecting him to be a starter you expect a long career out of a second round pick. Um man, it's tough for me to go against Kalaja. Even though I don't even really I don't know if it's a need. I do think there are, are more pressing needs. Um my love for Aaron Donald's that deep that when you compare a player to Aaron Donald, I want that player too. That's how deep my love runs for Donald. Um I, I think they go D B in the first round honestly i think they pass i do think it's they trade out um because i don't know this is a team that a rookie player most likely isn't going to come in and make an impact on a super bowl team um and if they need to be it's i don't know if we're a super bowl team you know it's not like san fran where they're a quarterback away and you get lucky because the whole team's great um dallas is like you said all their starters are pretty set so i do think they trade out if they do draft, um, I think if it's, it's it'll be if it's one of the you know better players, if like a uh, if what's his name, Paris Johnson drops, if maybe I don't see him being there, maybe if Bijan drops, um, if maybe like it's tough to say because I still think he goes early, but Jalen Carter with all of his off the field issues, if he drops, but I, I really think they. Um, I think they trade out in the second round. I, I like the pick, the one you sent me the other day, where they had him going uh, Jalen Hyatt in the second round. I, yeah, I do I like, I do like that pick because even though you got um, Cook uh, Cooks, I, I think that's a good, good pick. I think he, you don't know what you still have in Gallup. Um, the only issue is it's Hyatt is a smaller receiver. He's only six foot. Um, he comps to. Uh, Will Fuller, who I, I think is a big play guy, but I do like, I think, I just think last year they said in, in Dak's throw percentage in the tightest, in the tight windows was the highest out of all quarterbacks. So that tells me one of two things. They need to get faster and they need to get more separation. Um, and, and with speed, it helps. And I think, you know, CD Lamb, I think, you know, he, he understands how to get separation without being a burner. Um, but I think having having big play guy and a guy that you could put in kick returns, punt returns in the beginning, and, and you could do different things with, I think that's where they go if he drops in the, into the second. So I think if he gets there, I would love to see him because I've, I've watched some games this year where he was just blowing the top off for Tennessee. So um, mm -hmm. so that's where, that's where I'm projecting. Um, and then you guys will be, if, if they do make a pick, um, on draft day, Thursday night, we will come on, give a you know, a little probably 15 minute episode, just talk about who you know the guy, go into him a little bit more. Um, you know, if one of us were right, we'll probably gloat. I know I may, <laughs> especially, especially if it's Kalaja, Kalaja Kansi. I'm gonna be excited. Hey, if um, he's available, I don't I, I don't think he's gonna be available for us. Guys. I don't think he will. I think he goes a little bit earlier. I think uh so many people are gonna see his tape because they they say when they go back. He's a smaller dude, but when they watch the tape, he plays very well. Like he's going to not maybe not be as as dominant in the pat or in the uh, in the run game as you need. But if you can get after a quarterback in today's game, that it's mostly a you don't have many Derrick Henrys. Like there's one outside of that, you don't have the bruising running back really anymore. It's all these smaller, faster type guys. Um, makes it a little bit 
more comfortable not going after that 320 pound defensive tackle. Um, so that, that's our, our draft. I think um, if you guys, you know, you can find us on, on the Twitter, on the Facebook. I know we're having Instagram come soon. If you guys, anybody, you guys think you want to get out there, definitely, definitely let us know. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the draft, uh, which is in two weeks, but we do have another, another show next week. Aaron, what do we have coming up next week, sir? So next week we have a special guest coming on part of our rivalry roundup segment. Dr. Jairo Borja is going to come on and he's going to represent the giants. Get that, that get the, uh, the boo, uh, <laughs> feature coming along, uh, Jason, uh, when we have him on, but you know, he's going to give us his thoughts and perspective on what the, what the giants are doing. He's a North Jersey guy, diehard, uh, giants fan. So we're going to get what, what he's thinking as, as a, as a local fan on his team. We'll get him to confess that Dak, how afraid he is of Dak, uh, <laughs> and the division. And so we're, you know, we're going to have a good time with it, uh, highlighting the giants for next week. Yeah, I love that. And and I definitely think, you know, going forward, guys, we're definitely going to have um, we'll definitely have an Eagles guy on. We'll have a Washington. Cause I, like I think Aaron said it before, kind of knowing your division is huge and kind of what they're thinking, um, you know, what their fan perspective is, because, you know, most times people are, are pretty honest. You know, you have do have a lot of fans that oh, we're winning it all. You know, you know, we like to. Here we keep it honest, and I think most fans are. So we're definitely – I do love the rivalry roundup segment, and we're going to have more of that. Um, and I'm excited for next week to talk, um, to get more – dive more into it, um, and, and definitely throw some booze out. Um, but that that wraps up this week's show. Um, I, I hope you guys liked it, enjoyed it. Again, leave your thoughts, your comments um, on on, uh, on the Instagram, on the Twitter. Well, Instagram not yet, on the Twitter, on the Facebook page. Definitely whatever you're listening to the show on, whether it is, you know, Apple or iTunes podcasts, Spotify, whatever you are, just give a like, leave a rate, review it. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Um, and we really appreciate you guys. Numbers are still doing great. We really appreciate all the support you guys are giving us. Um, but that is that wraps today. I'm, I'm your host, Jason Kent, the co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, Aaron James. We will talk to you guys and see you guys next week. Thank you all and have yourself a great weekend. And hopefully everybody had a great Easter and got a lot of candy.